sometimes you need to take our medicine without the sugar coating. All right, today, my guest is multi-platinum producer Steve Freeman, and Steve is taking that 10,000-foot view and giving us some advice on how to get to where we're going without the BS, all right, as Steve tends to do. All right, so there's some great stuff coming up. Stay with me. Welcome back. This is The Adam Claremont Show. I'm your host, Adam Claremont, and here we talk about how to build and grow your career in audio with actionable tips from myself and others. But before we get into that, I just want to offer you this free gift. Head over to adamclaremont.com slash client list. I've got a free PDF guide that details step-by-step how you can start to grow your client list and grow your business. And that's kind of the point, right? So if you've ever looked around at others working in your space and thought, man, I love that client that that person's working with. I wish I get a client at that caliber or those projects. You're just not really sure how to put the foot in front of the next and how to actually go through that process. Well, here's an easy step-by-step guide. Very simple, free, takes 30 seconds. It'll go direct to your inbox. Would love you to have that and help you out there. All right. So let's get into our show for today. My guest this week is hit songwriter, multi-platinum producer, Steve Freeman. Steve is a natural teacher and entrepreneur who focuses on the music business, brand development and management, content creation, film and video production, and has businesses located in Nashville and Los Angeles. And you can hear him speak about all these topics on his own podcast called The Steve Freeman Podcast, which is an Apple Podcasts top 50 podcasts. And I think I just broke the Guinness Book of World Records on this podcast for saying podcasts in such a short time. All right. (laughs) <laughs> so, Steve, welcome, buddy. How are you? Hey, man, Adam. Thanks for having me, man. I'm I'm good. I I I could be better. I'm in Nashville right now. I'd rather be in uh, in Southern California, but uh, it's <laughs> snowing here today. But you're used to that where you're from. Oh man, I thought we were gonna get dumped on today. It was close, but yeah, it's it's coming later today. Yeah, of course I'm used to it. You know, I'm I'm a New Yorker, and it's the end of yeah. We're not. Yeah. So, uh, Steve, let's just jump into this. Would you mind, uh, for anybody out there who's not familiar with you, would you just sort of start us off with a little bit about your background? I know you've been a songwriter for a long time. Uh, You've been in the business for multiple decades. You've got a lot of industry expertise and what you're doing now. Yeah, you know, I, my career, I actually started in the radio business. I mean, that's that's oh, cool. what I what I thought I wanted to do from the time I was a kid, you know, I, I was the I was the kid in the bedroom that had his parents buy him two boom boxes so I could listen to the radio on one and then I would record on the other and I would be the DJ between, you know, the thing. So that's what I always wanted to do. And I did it for a long time. I, I was successful at it. I, I did uh, afternoons on radio stations in small, medium, large, major markets and had a syndicated show at one point. Uh, and, and, I, and I told my wife literally one day that, that you know, when this isn't fun anymore, I don't want to do it anymore. It literally woke up one day and, and was like, I don't want to go in and do my show this morning. And, mm. and it was over. Uh, that paired with realizing over 10 years of doing that, that I started to see that the life I wanted to live and that I had visualized for myself was not going to be possible. Even at the, the, the top of the top, those guys, there's just no money in the radio business. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, but getting to know all the label people that I had known and the songwriters and the artists. And, and I was like, okay, so the, the money is not in playing the songs. The money is in writing and producing the songs. The, song, the money's not even in being in the artist. It's, it's being the writer and right. the producer. Now, this is back in the, in the you know, early, mid-90s. And so that was back when you actually could, songwriting was still a profession. And so I'm like, okay, but using my knowledge, it was like the, the first thing I really knew to do was create a record label. That, that was what I knew coming from radio. I knew that side of it. So we decided we were going to move to Nashville. I was going to start a, a record label. And, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, didn't know how the, that side of the business really worked. And then, I mean, I knew because I worked for the Death Star, the Clear Channel, for a <laughs> long time. And, and, I, and I knew, you know, as a program director, we had corporate mandates that we were not allowed to play independent artists. Yeah. 
Um, a lot of artists don't understand that. It's not that the program director doesn't like your song. It's not has that they the, the corporate there's a corporate mandate that says you cannot play independent artist. Period. End of story. Right. You do so, you're going to get fired. So. But but right when I started my label, things were changing just a little bit. More independent label. There was just, uh, uh, I forgot the name of the record label, but there was a record label here in Nashville that had a, a, an artist, a band called Emerson Drive. And they, they took a song called Moments all the way to number one. And first time an in, a true independent had been number one on the country charts hmm. pretty much ever. Now, it took them $2 million to get there, and they filed bankruptcy six months later. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, the, the Scott Borchette had left DreamWorks and was starting Big Machine. He had just signed Taylor Swift. You, the Broken Bow was, was starting up. So there was a resurgence kind of of this independent spirit happening in Nashville. And I thought, okay, I know radio, which back then was still the key to success. If you could get on radio in any size market, you, you stood a chance of having success. What I didn't realize was when you got here, because you're an independent label, you're not going to get the good songs for your artists from the publishing companies. And so then it's like, okay, uh, you know, you're, you, you're, you can't afford at that time. I had an investor in the record label who, who wanted to be on board, but obviously didn't want to spend any money. <laughs> so you, you can't go out and get the top producers. And so I thought I was just always, all right, I'll learn to do this myself. So I started writing the songs with the artist and, and, you know, I was very fortunate at the time when I was coming up as a songwriter, a lot of the top songwriters right now were in my same shoes then. You know, mm -hmm. the, the John Knights of the world and, and the Ross Coppermans and James Ottos and Jason Matthews and all those guys. Well, we were all writing the songs that our artists were releasing. So, you know, over time, everybody becomes, you know, rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. And, you know, we eventually got, we, we, we kind of cornered a market for ourselves and, and we did very well. We came about it from, from a very, a much different point of view. Our record label was way ahead as far as the internet's concerned and looking at forward at, at streaming and YouTube and different ways of monetizing medium sized markets and turning the small market radio airplay into dollars by booking shows in those markets exclusively and taking a regional thing. And, and, and then everything changed and and it wasn't possible for independent labels anymore because the powers that be saw what was happening yeah and they were not going to let you have that big of a share of their pie so we got out of it right you know at the height of it and for me the only thing i knew to keep doing at that point was keep writing songs and, and keep producing records and uh, producing i mean i was having success as a songwriter but where where the producing thing kind of happened was those of you that don't know the way it works, number one, we don't sell our songs as songwriters. It's a big, huge misconception. We do not sell our songs. Um, I would go in because of producing for our artist. The only way that I knew how to produce my demos as a songwriter was to make them like records. Right. So I never approached anything like a demo. I never cut a demo. As a matter of fact, I hate the word. You got one shot to make an impression. If you cut a demo, you've already shot yourself in the foot. Even saying so, the word demo has this implication like cutting corners or you're not trying all than. that hard, you know, right? <laughs> no, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It means less than cheaper. Yeah. It just has that connotation. So the only thing I knew to do was make my demo sound like records as if an artist was, had already cut it and it should already be on the radio. Well, as my public, I signed a publishing deal, a major publishing deal. And as, as the songs kept getting, you know, pitched to artists and management and A&R and labels and everything, I started getting these calls. They're like, well, you know, I don't know that we, that was so cool the way you did this in this track. You know, I don't know that we could replicate that. Would you mind sharing the tracks with us? And an idiot, like, I'm like, <laughs> sure, absolutely. I'm, I'm just yeah. happy to be here. I'm happy to play along. And then you're driving down the road and you hear your tracks, you know, yeah. on a major artist on the radio and you're like with wait a minute yeah while some other producer I, collects the point <laughs> while somebody else produced you know they collect the point they got paid and and you know that happened a few times and then i'm like okay i'm not doing that anymore and i went and i got to the point where it's like no i will not share my tracks but if you would like me to produce the record i'm more than willing to sit down and talk with you about producing the record um and in in you know that time i was an unproven producer you know so what I started doing was, but, but all these other people, that was one of the things I was very good at. And, and, and your listeners, this is the most important lesson you'll ever learn in the music business. You cannot count on somebody else to lift you up or shine their light on you. Right. 
What I became very good at was making it known what I was doing and what I had accomplished. I was the guy that would go, hey, you know that new so-and-so song you all love? Yeah, those are my tracks, you know, <laughs> and, and I was and, and it kind of made me unpopular to a certain extent. But that was OK, because, like I said, if you don't sell yourself, nobody is waiting around to sell you. Correct. In this business. 100 percent. And so I, I, I started doing that. Well, independent artists that had a budget started calling me and going, hey, you know, I worked with Rich Curtin Tully for a long time. The guy's Jason Aldean's band. Uh, and they're like, hey, I want my record to sound like Jason Aldean. And it's like, OK, <laughs> you know, come to town. So I produced their record and I started loving working with independent artists that led to working with more major artists. But even to this day, I would prefer working with an independent artist over working with a major artist. I, I would take it. 10 times a day and twice on, on Sunday um, <laughs> overworking with major artists. It's just so much red tape. It's, the lack of creativity is unbelievable. And, you know, there's a relationship that exists between a producer and an artist. And, and if you don't have that trust and you don't allow the producer to be creative, if you don't allow the producer to do what they're there to do, to put their stamp on it, what fun is that? Are you, you know, and, and to, Go ahead. Sorry. Are, are you talking about sort of like the quote unquote Nashville way of songwriting where, you know, after 30 seconds, there's a chorus and there's got to be the Mando and this and that and other thing. And or there there is and from a songwriting perspective. Definitely. I mean, I've never maybe I can. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact number of times, but I, I got barred from going to pitch meetings as a songwriter because I'm the guy in the room that will say, you know, they they literally I can count on one hand the number of times. I went to a pitch meeting and like at Sony or Warner Brothers or Universal and they they played more than 45 seconds of the song. And verse and a chorus basically. Yeah. Yeah. Verse and a chorus maybe. Yeah. And and you know I didn't deal well with that. You know because these are this like somebody telling you looking at your child for 5 seconds and saying they're ugly and going to be a loser the rest of their life. I, I <laughs> especially yeah. coming from somebody who's never written a hit song, never produced a hit song. And just graduated Belmont three months ago. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't respect you. So I don't respect that what you think about my work. I don't respect your opinion. Um, so which made me further unpopular. Um, but I, I just I never could let that stuff slide. But for, for, from a production standpoint, it, it's more here's the box. And you're allowed to be as creative as you want to be as long as it fits in that box. Yeah. And I don't believe in the box at all. I believe when I walk into the studio and I've got these songs and I'm sitting around with five or six guys that are the best players in the world who've never heard this thing before, I believe in letting everybody bring what it is that they do and their value to that. And if it fits in the box, that's great. If it doesn't fit in the box, as a matter of fact, it's even better. Yeah. Because... You know, what the labels will tell you in Nashville and in, in L.A. and Atlanta and New York, Miami, everywhere else, is they keep telling you they want something new. We want something we've never heard before. <laughs> they don't. But, yeah, you know, but but the new thing should sound like this because that really charted well and we were happy with that performance. So if it can sound like that but newer, yeah. No, right. <laughs> exactly. It's like we want something new that sounds exactly like Taylor Swift. Yeah. Look, as producers, songwriters, engineers, audiophiles, we, we didn't get into this business to be replicators. Yeah. Right? We got in this business to be original and bring something and put our stamp on something. And if you're not allowed to do that, then it just gets boring. And, and then it's like when you're dealing with major artists, it's like we want the new record to sound exactly like the old record. And, you know, everything's got to be. And that's just no fun. So I, I just found that I enjoyed working with independent artists so, so, so much more. And, and I, I got to a point where I was not, I was not focused. I didn't care anymore about having the banner up on 16th Avenue with my name and my picture on it saying, congratulations, Steve Freeman on the new number one, this, or, you know, producing. I didn't care about that anymore. I, I cared about providing for my family. At that point, it became about making money and, and less about the, the passion of it and the and, and doing that because the first time you ever get a big check, it's not about the passion anymore hmm. because then it's about kids and it's about college funds. It's about private schools. It's about mortgages. It's about cars. It's about, you know, 
It's about all, it's about real life. Right. Um, and then it becomes a chase. You've got to keep that up and keep it up and keep it going. And I was never good at the playing the political game that the music business is. I would not make a good politician at all. Um, <laughs> and I knew, I, I tell people all the time, I made it into the inner circle just long enough to realize that I didn't really want to be there and that I was not willing to do what my friends were doing that were in the inner circle and continue to be in the inner circle. It just wasn't something that I saw my life path doing or what that what I wanted to do as a creative. Well, that's a really valuable lesson to 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 learn though along the way. Um, and it's that's kind of interesting. I didn't know that about you with the radio beginnings and like that was your way into songwriting. That's an interesting path. Um, so so yeah. So you didn't grow up as a kid thinking, man, I want to be a songwriter, or did you? Uh, you know, not really. It was, uh, you know, I, I have a, I have a, and a lot of people might be able to, especially if, if, if uh, your, your listeners and viewers are more audio centric, they will probably understand this. I, I got my first start. Well, number one, I remember my uncle, my uncle was, was a wannabe in the music business. Then he's 70 something years old and still is trying. <laughs> That's great. You know, <laughs> good for him. Um, <laughs> good for him. But I, I remember that, you know, he had an old sunburst ovation guitar and he would play and he would sing and he would sing the Dukes of Hazard theme. <laughs> and that I wanted to do that. My next thing was going to church. I, my parents had me in church every time the doors were open and most of the time showing up a day early to make sure that we, <laughs> I, we were there. Um, I wanted to be in the church band. <laughs> and that's a whole other side of, you know, no, you can't play in the church band. It's like, well, wow, this is awful accepting and Christ-like. You know, we keep everybody out of the church band, um, which made me want to play that much more, you know? So I found people outside of the circle that, I mean, the first song I ever wrote, I was 13 years old and it's tattooed right here on my on my arm. Oh, cool. So, yeah. yes, I mean, I I, I did, but I, ne I, funny thing of it is, I, I didn't want to do it from an economic standpoint. I, I wanted to do it because I enjoyed playing and I enjoyed writing songs, and I, and I thought that maybe I had a talent for it because I it sounds conceited, but I knew I was better than everybody else in my circle, and, that, I, and I was that's better. Good. Well, hey, you I need was, confidence to succeed, right? Everybody that right. Well, and I knew I was better than everybody else that was I knew was trying to do this professionally. Yeah. As well, I got older. Well, it's interesting because you know, and and I I love hearing stories like this because what what I'm kind of hearing and kind of what I try and talk to people about is you know you mentioned at the very beginning of the show that. You know, you're in radio and you decided, if I don't love this anymore, I'm going to move on to the next thing that I love. And I think that's so important because, you know, the money and the career, passion, the love, like they can they can intersect, you know, as long as you kind of have that focus. And it sounds like you're really having that focus. You're like, OK, this isn't going to work. And with some people who have that kind of passion and sort of intensity about them, sometimes, you know, deep down in, in your core that even if I keep doing this, I'm not going to be successful at it. So it's not mm. even so much about just because I don't love it or about the money. It's you can't get the money if you don't love it because that's just not in you. And I can relate to that. You know, like I, I have the hardest time talking to somebody I can't stand. I have the hardest time, you know, working with somebody I can't stand. I have the hardest time doing something I just have no interest in. And it's on one hand, I think that's a really poor attitude to go about in life. On the other hand, it's kind of worked for me because every single day, I get to do what I love and I get to choose that. And you can do what you love and still make that career. So when you say, well, it's not about the passion anymore, it kind of is. It's kind of, you know, you're not saying I don't love what I do and I'm only there for the check, I think is what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, but it's. Yeah, no, it, well, no, I mean, it is, you know, there's this, I tell people all the time, you know, there, life requires that you do what you have to do to get to a point where you can do what you want to do. There you go. Good way. You know, very, very rare, rarely are there, you know, unless you're just growing up and you're, you've got mommy and daddy's money and you're independently wealthy, then you can afford to be passionate the rest of your life. <laughs> right. And, and that passion is something you have to be afforded. No. Um, it, because I, I've tried in the past but like the the my mortgage company will not take passion as a payment. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, the, my car they will not take passion as payment. So it, you know it, it's there's a there's a fine balancing act. But I think if you do it properly and you approach it properly, you should find yourself in a situation where if you if you I tell people there's there's three keys to success: it's persistence, consistency, and a willingness to sacrifice. 
And the reason most people don't get there is because they, they are persistent. They are consistent as hell, but they are not willing to sacrifice yeah. or they put a limit on their sacrifice. I'm willing to go right up to this point. Well, guess what? Success doesn't even start to come till you're way beyond that comfort zone level you've set for yourself. Yeah. You know, and I'm in that same, I'm doing the same thing that I did in the radio business right now. I have no passion for the music business. I have no passion for, I, somebody sent me a thing the other night, like, hey, will you help me finish this song? I literally text back. I said, I would rather be sitting here having a triple root canal <laughs> than write a song. I, I just, I, I just don't, I do not have that desire. And so I would rather take it and lay it completely down until it comes back and goes, hey, let's pick up that guitar over there. Yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't know when that's going to be, if ever, you know, and and I, but I will say that this whole journey has really brought me to and from the things that I found that I am passionate about, and the things that I do believe in. You know, Phil, you mentioned uh, film and video production. Something which it, it, it was a hobby that has turned into a a, a full blown, you know company making movies and, hmm. and, 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 and I love it, but it, it wasn't that what, what initially got me interested and involved in that was writing songs for TV and film and, and seeing how that all happened and how all that went down. I wrote songs for Nashville. I wrote songs for true blood and, and uh, a lot of other te- vampire diaries, a lot of other uh, television shows. And number one, the first time you ever get a real, it's called sync. The first time you ever do that and they pay you instantly, you love TV and film more than you'll <laughs> ever love the traditional music business. You know, you can have a hit as a songwriter, could be out on the radio. You're not going to see a penny of it for 18 months. <laughs> and, you know, you get, you get asked to write this song for, you know, Nashville when it's on ABC and they're like, yep, we want to use it. By the way, what's your routing and account number? And they put that money right in your account the next day. Fantastic. Then it's like, well, okay, that's interesting. You know, there's more than one ways to, you know, make a living in this business. And that led me into really getting involved in, in liking film production and seeing how everything went together. And that led to me, okay, I'm going to buy camera. And I started a YouTube channel. Um, and, you know, with, with the intent of, like you and I were talking about before we started recording, monetizing your experience. And, and going, look, I do have something that I feel like I can help, especially young emerging artists and songwriters. And I feel like my place in this is to not be the guy that blows the sunshine up everybody's butt like everybody else that's out there, but go, no, 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 guys, look, here are the exits that lead to nowhere. <laughs> Regardless of, I don't care that Disneyland is off of one of those exits. You, here's what doesn't work. Here are the potholes. Here are the, the, the realistic things that you need to know and you need to understand. Because what I learned when I started developing artists, and this blew me away, I, and it's I guess it's due to social media, but more there more artists. Ninety, if you had a hundred artists, ninety nine of them would rather walk into a restaurant and everybody in that restaurant know their name and who they are versus actually being financially successful for doing what they do. They want to be famous. They don't want to be successful. And, and my thing was, look, I can show anybody how to be successful in this business. If you want to make money in this business, I can help you and I can show you. You may not. That, what I find, though, is that's not what really people are, are chasing. That's not what they want. Yeah. They want fame. And success and fame, you can have one without the other. And, and it's, it's, that's what I wanted to do, you know, and that led me into getting into so many other things and, 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 and which is now afforded me the ability to go, you know what, we're leaving Nashville, I'm moving, moving, leaving Nashville, moving to Southern California and, um, to, to chase a passion, if you will, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm luckily that, that passion, you know, makes me significant amount of money but well no it's still yeah it, it, i i don't it, think it's luck it's though Steve. i don't think it's luck i mean i think to, to what we were just talking about i think there's certain people who are just going to be successful when they find the thing that they really want to do because those people have a laser focus on it and they're willing to mm. do the consistent thing and the persistent thing and the sacrifice thing you're not going to have those kinds of driving motivators 
if it's not something you're interested in. It's I think that's a personality thing. And that's a good thing, I would think, especially if you're an entrepreneur or business person like yourself. You know, it's treated me well, you know. I mean, those the things that I really want, I go for. And it, it tends to work out more often than not. Those things that I think that I want and I go for, <laughs> I just know that, like, I, I might as well not even put in that energy. Like you mentioned, the, the songwriting. Yeah, that might be kind of, well, no, no. I'm not even going to put any energy in. I know that it's not going to work because my heart's not in it. It's just not anymore. might have worked before. If it's not there right now, got to focus it elsewhere. We've only got so much time in the day and so much focus. It's like if you're going to waste it, everything else suffers. So I think it's – well. It- it's just, you're a hundred percent right. And, and I think, you know, the, the goal to winning today is understanding the rules of the game. And, and that's what, that's what most artists today, most producers today, even they don't, they don't know how the business works. You know, they, they, we take the top 1% and go, Oh, then that's the model. That's how, that is, that's how it works for 1%. Right. That the, <clears throat> the rules are different for everybody. And, and it's not until you figure out how those rules are going to work for you that matters. And, and you know, it, it's, I, I hate to see where people are. And it's like, I don't want to kill optimism, you know, but reality is the ultimate killer of optimism. And <laughs> I just, I, I choose to live in reality. I don't, I don't dream this or manifest this or positive that. I live in I live right where I'm at. So because yeah. if I if I view the future or I view my efforts or I view my talent or I view anything else through rose-colored glasses that are not real and and it's not tangible then I'm chasing a ghost. So and and yeah, so if I if I can interrupt, so let me ask you then. Um because I I love I love to be able to give some people like some tangible um actionable items that they can say, okay, here, here, here we go. And I know from listening to your podcast that, uh, you're, you know, a strength of yours is a, your experience from going through point A to point B. But I think that you're somebody who sort of looks to the future and you're looking at data and you're saying, okay, this is where I should be going. That's where the opportunity is. And then finding those places that, again, that make, you know, make sense for something that you really want to do, but you know, you're not wasting your effort on something with a little return because the whole point, I think, and you know, I think we mentioned this is a career is a long view. It's a long road. It's not about, you know, these short little scalps, if you will, if you're a you know, day trader or whatever. That's right. So, um, so, you know, you just mentioned songwriting as a profession. That's tough. You know, a lot of my, a lot of my audience is audio engineers. Um, but, you know, as we talk a lot about the show, it, it's helpful to some sort of, to, to some degree to diverse your services and put your skill set at a couple different places so that you're always getting a phone call and you can take that call and you can say, yes, I can do that thing. Um, that's certainly probably more true and more helpful today than ever with the pandemic. I know it kept me busy. And if I was just doing one thing mm. last March, I would have been done for six months, nine months, like I know a lot of my friends were. Um, so what what do you see that's kind of coming up that is a place where people, maybe someone who used to songwriter is songwriting or in audio production, What where do you see the opportunity coming in the future where that's maybe a place that we could focus to get a decent career and a decent return? Any thoughts? I, uh, yeah, most definitely. I, th- I think the first step to realizing that is understanding that the vehicle that gets you where you want to go doesn't matter. And that's where we stand in our own way. We, audio engineers, producers, songwriters, we, we put this goal out there that we think is making it or achieving it. And we put very specific, des- you know, colorations on it and descriptions on it. And it has to come like this and it has to look like this. And unless it doesn't, then it's not real achievement. It's not real success. The first thing we got to do is realize that the vehicle that gets us there doesn't matter. And it's exact. If the, if the goal is to be successful, then it doesn't matter if you rode, if you got there in a Kia or if you got there in a Mercedes. So it's just about getting to the end destination. So a lot of like what you just said, if you're an, if you're an audio engineer, take it completely out of your mind that you're going to engineer a record that's going to go off and sell 10 million copies. And then people are going to want you to engineer your record because you worked on that big record. That's a way of thinking 15 years ago. What, what needs are in the marketplace right now from an audio standpoint, an audio engineer that's listening out there should be having their studio open for people to come do audiobooks, for people to come do podcasts, people to come do one-off records, anything that would require your expertise on knowing, you know what, 
for your voice, your voice is going to sound better on this microphone with this mic pre and this compressor. It doesn't matter if that person's singing, if that person's talking, if that person wants to do a commercial, if it's commercial work, if, if, if it's corporate work, it doesn't matter. And, and realizing that your expertise and your specialty is this. So however people need to absorb and use that service is the way that, that you can. Behind that is what we've said a couple times is monetizing your experience. Um, I, I just did an episode uh, maybe one or two episodes ago. And I was talking about YouTube and breaking down the numbers um, I, I, let me say this right now. There is a real need on YouTube and other social media platforms for people that do actually know what they're talking about. There, the space is filled with people right now who have no idea what they're talking about. So not just they're like dancing in front of a ring light to... No, no I, I get on there and talk, get on, exactly, get on there. I see, I can't do TikTok because I don't have that type of personality, you know? Uh, so, but I could be taking my content, making content, video content, and breaking it up into micro content to share out all across all of those different platforms to drive people to the one platform that I feel like I am really good at, that I, that I can own. So if you're an audio engineer and you're sitting, you know gear, you know pre's, you know compressors, you know microphones. There, there are millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people who don't know that are looking for the answers. Get involved in being able to provide the answer. Monetize your experience and stop thinking that your success is going to come in one form. Get rid of the, the description. Get rid of that thing that you've created in your mind of what success looks like. Because it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And, and we have such a, you know, the one thing between the, the one real thing that used to stand between independent artists and major label artists was the label. And the only thing the label really had was distribution. Well, now those walls are uh, radio. They had radio, but radio, nobody listens to the damn radio anymore. I mean, come on. No. Um, and they're all going bankrupt anyway. The three major broadcasting companies are all in, currently in <clears throat> bankruptcy. Um, let's see. And they had distribution. So all of that doesn't matter anymore. You take your phone is the major label. That is everything that you need. <laughs> it is your publicist. It is your record label. It's your distri uh, distribution company. It's everything. And I tell artists today, if you aren't succeeding right now, it's your fault. Period. End of story. And, and most of the time, it's because they want somebody else to do it for them. Oh, I need a booking agent. Oh, I need a manager. No, those are all excuses because you won't do it yourself. And the platforms are there. It's never been wide open. Well, I had one the other day. Well, Steve, I mean, I've been doing TikTok exactly the way you told me to do it for two weeks now, and I'm just not growing. Ah, <laughs> oh, poor person. <laughs> what you know? What can you say to that? No. It's like that. Our expectations keep us. 99.9% .9 of the time, it's our expectations that keep us from the achieval and, and the success that we really want because we think it should happen faster. Uh, we think it should come quicker and we try to do everything and we can. We spend money to make it quicker. We buy ads to think it's going to make it come quicker. We do all of that other than just taking the time to create quality mm. and then realizing that, you know, it's about building today. You want to be successful in anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Build a community. That's what's going to build and monetize a community. Doesn't have to be a big one. You know, it could be a small one, but you would be amazed at what a community would do, you know, in financially supporting you. So look, all of the tools are there. And if you don't know, educate yourself. Find what fits in your wheelhouse, especially from a personality standpoint. It's like I was saying, I... I if I would blow up on TikTok if I had a type A personality, <laughs> I, I really would. But I don't. I I just it's just not for me. I, and I just I can't do that. I'm not going to manufacture something. I'm not going to be somebody that I'm no. not just so that I can get those eyes in those ears. Um, so I, I think that's it. I think the realization that right now anything's possible. True. And Very true. The platforms are there. It's free to use. It costs you nothing. It costs you time. Yeah. And and becoming proficient at what you do and offering some sort of value. Yeah. I'm always surprised by the people who 
you know, just blanketly say like, oh, there's no money in this. You can't have a career in that with, in regards to the music industry or in studios. You can't convince me that this is not the time with more opportunity than ever, ever before. I mean, how, how it's every device is making noise and listening to you. You telling me you can't make a career out of audio <laughs> with technology like that? You know, that's you're exactly I mean, it's that right. simple. I mean, you know, the, all of those things require somebody that understands audio and, and microphones and to varying degrees. Well, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the op- well, and the, the whole thing of, you know, it's it's not even at the place anymore when all of this first started. Then, yes, it was all about, you know, everybody was looking for those that had had the most success to try to emulate that and learn from those people. And it's it's not really that way anymore because I think everybody understands there's not enough of those people to learn from. No. I mean, there there are, you know, when you go back and you look at if you wanna if you want to really name but great if you want to learn how to produce records, right? And you want to talk about great record producers, there's less than twenty-five of them. Another if, another if you yeah. want to look at the numbers. <clears throat> There's less than 25 of them. Another way to look at that and, too is is and, and and this is not to diminish any anyone's accomplishments ever, but uh, think think of the stock market, and when someone someone goes, hey, you know what, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna do this next time. I saw that this it hit a peak at 425. Right now it's at 300. You can't time stuff like that. By the time you learned that, it's kind of too late sometimes. So for the people who made, you know, great records in the 90s, 2000s, the way that they did it is a lot different now. And that's not to say that what they don't have is incredibly valuable, but the but studying how they did it is a little bit different than studying why they did it. You know, the, the, the philosophy that got them there versus this step to get there. Because as you mentioned five times by now already, the industry has changed so much. And today it's changing. Tomorrow it's changing. You can't really look back at the formula. You got to think ahead for the formula. What's going to get your version of success? And you can take some of the bits that they did, but to emulate all those things, it's too late. <laughs> you know, the stock no, already no, peaked. No, you're you know? no, you're you're exactly right. And and here's the other side of the equation to remember. And and people, boy, I get hate mail when I talk about this, but it's the truth. Um, there has never a, a hit song has never been written in the room in the writers' room. A hit record has never been made in the studio. Okay. So when you think about, oh, I want to be like this producer because he's had all the success and all the hits and he really knows what he's doing. He, he knows how to do. Look, listen, a hit record is made when a record label puts a million and a half dollars in promotion behind <laughs> it. Okay. So the biggest song you want to name, right, is just another song in a drawer without a record label investing $1.5 to $2 million in making sure that everybody heard it. Uh, yeah. Okay, so no, there's no hit songwriters. Okay, we don't write the hits in the room. We write songs that we hope are great that that may go on to be hits. But there's nothing I've ever done in a writer's room. There's nothing I've ever done in a studio to make a hit record a hit record. Yeah, that's the hits <laughs> come when they get delivered to the record label, and the record label has the influence at radio, and they've got the promotional budget, and they've got the high dollar publicist, and they get them on the Tonight Show, and they do all that to mass market and flood that's what makes a hit okay radio radio as far as the charts all of that's bartered Mm. that's bought and sold so when when you think i want to be like this guy because he makes hits no he doesn't make hits he makes records just like everybody else except the the artist that he makes that record for has a record label that's going to put a couple million dollars into promotion behind it. that's a really well put point (laughs) that makes a lot of sense when you look at it like that so let me ask you then uh, speaking for me, and I think a lot of people listening can relate. So what do I do? Well, I sell a service that requires some expertise, and my service is usually parlayed by my client into creating more money for themselves than they paid me. That's kind of usually how this works, right? If you're going to be successful, you sure. need that sort of system to be in place. People like what you do. They come to you. They pay you a bunch of money. You do a great job so that they can then take that product and make even more money. You know, you give me five, you get back 10 and they keep coming back. Right. So the problem that a lot of people in my shoes have, and this is why this channel exists, I'm trying to shine a light on here, is specifically for those people working predominantly in music, their clients cannot get back the 10 for every five they give. And let me rephrase that. It's not that they can't. 
they don't know how. So that becomes a huge problem, not just for that person who's coming to the studio. That becomes a problem for the person operating the studio because now your entire world revolves around a failing business. And all of your clients are failing in their business. So they're going to lose money. They're going to have less money to come back to you. So what do you do? Do you lower your rate? No, that's not, that's not sustainable. So what would you suggest? And it doesn't even have to be specifically about music. And you've already mentioned some of these things. But if you can't guide your clients along to, to take the product that you make, if you can't guide your clients along to take the product that you provide and then turn that into more money, you're not really providing all the value that you could for them. Now, some may say, well, that's not my problem. No, it's totally your problem. <laughs> you know, so I think it's sort of like our responsibility. If you want to keep doing what you want to do, you're not just going to dig your feet in the sand and say, no, I'm going to stand my ground. And that's going to be their deal, that their problem to figure out. They, they've paid me my money. Well, you're not going to have a, a, a repeating client for long if, if you can't help them. You know, if you so if you can take the moment to to, to educate yourself and sort of try and solve that problem for them, I think you're going to, A, get more money in return from that client, and then they're going to go to other people's go, hey, you know, Adam just showed me this trick. It's working out for me. Why don't you go to him? Am I making sense here? Like, are, are, am I you're, speaking? You're, 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 <laughs> make, you're, making, you're making sense, but I will tell you, I disagree. Okay. All right. Perfect. And, 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 I, and I will give you an example. Uh, had an artist contact me the other night about uh, producing a record for her. And I, look, I've said I'm, I might do five records this year, maybe. And so I'm being very picky on the five records that I'll do this yeah. year. And, and I, you know, she's like, well, now, will you do this? And will you, will you help me promote it? And will you do this? And I'm like, no, that's not my job. What you do with it when I hand you a master is none of my business. And I honestly don't care. Because that's not what you're paying me for. That's not what you're coming to me for. My job is to hand you a product that can be competitive in the marketplace, that you can play next to Ariana Grande, or you can play next to Taylor Swift, or you can play next to Luke Combs. And from an audiophile standpoint, and, and, and you know, it, it will stand up. It will sound as good. That's my job, my, to bring your vision and your music to life in a way that's competitive in a modern marketplace. That's my job, and my job ends right there. No. I, I cannot control what you do with it or what you don't do with it that is right or wrong once you leave my studio. I can, if, if you don't go out and do the things that it takes to make your music successful, you can't come back to me and go, well, that's your fault. Right, right. And look, and I, and I think this is, you, you, I'm glad you brought this up because I think this is important. It is not our responsibility. What they take and do with our product afterwards, look, you can't, you can't drive through Chick-fil-A and order some nuggets and get home and eat the nuggets and go, God, I wish I'd gotten a cheeseburger. Well, you can't go back to Chick-fil-A and go, <laughs> I'm not coming back here anymore because I wanted a cheeseburger and I got nuggets. Guess what? That all points back to you. Right. I can't, I cannot make you successful. That's not my job. My job is to make your record the best it can possibly be. So I guess... Yeah. End of story. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. And, and I think you're right. It's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily fall on us. But I guess the, the thing I would say is, if, if you want so badly to continue doing that service, if you just sit... If if you take that point of view, and for you, you just mentioned, I'm only doing, I'm only doing five records this year. This is not really what I'm trying to create long-term uh, for business growth. If that's what you're trying to do, I think you've got two options. You either figure it out for them because even if it isn't your responsibility, it will come back and bite you because if they can't make any money, they're going to have less to pay you. But two, and to your point earlier, maybe it's time to realize that and maybe that shouldn't be where your primary focus is. Maybe you should do a Steve Freeman, I'm going to do five records this year and the rest of my income is going to come from the places my focus is going to go to the places where I can provide more value and steer my, my business toward places that are going to be more sustainable and more lucrative and still feed my passion. And, and I'm still, you know, I'm not waiting tables. I'm still in the studio. Is that maybe a little? Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I think so. But I, th I think more for me is I've learned to count on the things that I can control. Yes, any, any producer or engineer that wants to tie their success and future income and earnings to someone else, you are letting someone else drive the right. car. And the way that the music business is right now, and I'll tell all you producers, all you engineers, listen here. Your job is to do the best of your ability for what they're paying 
you to do. Period. Let your work stand on itself. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's hard for people to hear. If you're making great records and the artists are taking those records and they're not successful with them, number one, it's not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on them. Number two, where you burden the responsibility is making sure that you do your part for you to get that stuff out there, not for the artist's benefit. Let everybody know what you're doing. Like I told you, that's what I got really good at. I don't care if this artist goes off and sells a million copies. I don't care if they sell five copies. I'm going to make sure everybody knows that this thing, it sounds amazing. I'm going to let them know who did it. I don't care what you're it right does. Now. I don't care what it does for the artist. I, what, I, what I want to do is focus on what I can control. Because let me tell you something. This is hard for people to hear, and I'm going to get hate DMs for this. But let me tell you, so all you audio engineers, all you producers listening out there, the likelihood that anybody listening or watching to this, this show, will ever produce an artist that goes on to become the level of success where people will be driving to your place and knocking your door down for you to produce their record is slim to none and slim just left town. <laughs> okay? The business is not set up that way anymore. It used to be. It's not anymore. Do not latch your rope to somebody else's ship. That goes back to your success you make, and famous analogy, right? You, you don't uh, need exactly all that. That's exactly right. You... <laughs> No, you consistently make great sounding records. That is your job. It is not your job to make sure the artist gets signed, that the artist gets on radio, that the artist is doing enough on social media. It's not. That is not your job. Your job is to, is to do your job the best that it could possibly be. Yeah. That's the only thing you can control. And I've, I don't get this as much anymore, but, you know, I, I hear these stories still and I've certainly gotten these questions. But, you know, you, you quote a project and people go, well, you know, we're not actually selling this. This is more promotion or this is an internal thing. You think we can work on, on that rate? And the answer is always, but what you do with it, <laughs> that's your that's your decision. What you do with it. That doesn't make my effort or my time change. That's still right. So to your point, it's that that's see, here's <laughs> here's the thing people there there are two sides of the music business and there's there's a side from those of us that are on the professional side that provide the services and then there's a side to it from the artist standpoint right if you're an artist you always pay for results and never pay for effort right that's if you're on the artist side if you're on the professional side you're not paying me for the potential of what it could be right you're paying me for the potential for what i can do and what i can deliver yeah. So I don't care what your plans are with it when you leave here. If, if your grandma gave you $30,000 and you want to come make a, a, one of the best sounding records of the year that nobody will ever hear, we can do that. And they can all be coffee coasters. That's fine. I don't care what you do with it afterward. Because I know 99.9999999999% of the time, there's nothing they're going to do that's going to shine a positive light on me. <laughs> nothing. And, and let me tell you this too, and some of you will learn this. When you do have those big, there is so much criticism that comes when you, when you have something that's successful, right? If you think our, our people are critical now on YouTube or you go produce a record that has a lot of success, you're going to have every producer that lives in his mom and dad's basement using a $200 interface going to tell you everything you did wrong on that record. <laughs> Doesn't matter that that record went and made, you know, it's triple platinum. World, it's known all over the world. You can't walk into a store without hearing it. It doesn't matter. You did it wrong. And here's why you shouldn't use Steve Freeman. He did this. He did that. It's, he should have done this. You can't win. What you've got to do is find your area. Do what it is that you do best and get it out and get it in front of as many people as possible. Don't count on the artist to do it. Don't count on the artist's record label. You got have to realize that you are your PR. You are your social media team. You are the star of the show. You are everything. No. And it's your responsibility to when you're, if you're working on something you really believe in, you're like, man, I, I really am digging. It's your responsibility to get it out there for you, not for the artist. I love that. Yeah. That, that those are great, great words to, to wrap up with. Let me, let me add to that if I may, because you know, you probably get these kinds of questions too. And I get them all the time. And you know, there's a whole idea about there's no stupid questions, right? Well, it's not that there's no stupid questions, but maximizing the time for the people who can help you. All right. So, so let me 
let me talk about where, what I'm getting at here. So you just mentioned, you know, earlier about, you know, there's artists who they want to hire, they want the PR person and they want the, the marketing team and they want the booking agent and they want all these things. And they're not really willing to do anything for themselves. You got to start somewhere. You got The more you do for yourself, the more you Google ahead of time, you know, when you get that person in the room or get access to a Steve Freeman or someone who knows the answer to the question, you don't want to come at them with the most Googleable question possible, right? Do your homework in advance because you're only going to get so much time with a Steve or whoever it is, the PR person, whoever. You got to pay all those people money. You do the homework first so that when you get someone like yourself or someone else in the room who's in your corner, they can really go to work and they can take all that legwork and immediately 10x that. If they're starting from nothing, 10 times nothing is nothing. And there's so much easy stuff to do, seriously easy stuff that, yeah, it might be busy and it might be time consuming. But if you can just take care of all of that stuff that you can do without a whole lot of expertise, when you find the people with the expertise, now they can really do what you're paying them to do instead of doing all the stupid legwork that you could have been doing this whole time and getting that ball rolling. Because again, 10 times nothing is zero. But if you start here, that multiple can actually do you some work. (laughs) So if you think about that, it's time well spent. Well, Steve, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to everybody today, talk to myself. Um, appreciate your podcast, everybody, the Steve Freeman Podcast, Top 50 Apple Podcast. That's not an easy thing to do. Congratulations. Uh, that's thank you. I appreciate <laughs> an effort it. of a lot of hard work and consistency. Um, everybody, listen back to the things that Steve was saying. Um, you know, the whole thing about, you know, doing the legwork, you know, being your own advocate, you know, just speaking up about what you bring to the table. I mean, it, it's funny. Things like this, we don't think about them until we hear them. And then we think, how freaking obvious is this? Well, it's not always obvious. You need somebody to say it every now and then or be reminded, you know, it's true. There, That's true. We don't all have, you know, 50 people behind our backs screaming how great we are. A lot, a lot of us are just, are, you know, we're a one-person shop. We're doing the work, we're cleaning the toilets, and we're doing the marketing. We're our PR. You know, if you're if you're lacking on one of those things, I hope you at least clean the toilets. <laughs> if you're lacking in one of those things, you got a problem. Right. So, yeah, listen back. Uh, some great advice, Steve. Thank you for that advice. Uh, everybody, if you want to hear more from Steve, again, the Steve Freeman Podcast, uh, you can reach out to him, thestevefreeman.com, for more information. He's all over Instagram as well. Steve, thank you so much, everybody. I'll catch you next time, and have a great day. Bye.